Welcome to a podcast about wealth and life. We all know that our finances play a big part in how we live our lives. In this podcast, the advisors from Foster and Motley share insights and information about investment and financial planning topics and how they connect to your life. January, February, March, April, May, June. The second quarter is now in the books. Mark Motley, a founder of Foster and Motley, as well as a shareholder, co-chief investment officer, and investment manager, shares his review of the past three months. Mark, it's yours. Market update, June 30, 2022. The way prices are rising, the good old days are last week. Less Dawson. The first half of 2022 was the worst first half for a year for stocks in over 50 years. The Russell 3000 index returned minus 21%. The S&P 500 minus 20%. And the tech-heavy NASDAQ composite index was off 30%. Taxable bonds were down more than 10%. International stocks fared just a little better than U.S. stocks. And the performance of smaller company stocks was worse than that of larger stocks. These declines are mostly a function of assets having been too expensive at the end of last year, coupled with the return of serious inflation after a long absence. Without this resurgence of inflation, the Fed would likely have continued to remain accommodative, that is, to have continued to provide excess liquidity to the banking system. And asset valuations might have remained elevated. Now, as valuations have significantly corrected when inflation persists, we'll focus this update on inflation. We'll begin by looking back at several points we wrote about inflation in recent market updates for context. At the beginning of 2021, we were concerned about the possibility of rising inflation because the money supply had increased by 25% over the prior year, coupled with lots of prior fiscal stimulus from the government. Then the $1.9 trillion stimulus bill passed, increasing concerns that abundant liquidity would lead to inflation, the one thing that would cause the Fed to restrict liquidity. Later in the year, when inflation began to turn up, we warned inflation may not be transitory and that the intrinsic values of stocks had not kept up with stock prices. See quotes from several prior updates in the show notes. So we are now in exactly the spot about which we expressed repeated concern in various updates, a rise in inflation that forced in March the Federal Reserve to change its posture from accommodative to restrictive. Moreover, this is not just a meaningful whiff of inflation. It's the largest outbreak of inflation in 40 years. The important question about inflation now for markets and the Fed is, when will it stop getting worse and start to ease? We don't know, but we know some relevant items that have not gotten much notice yet. As of July 1st, the price of crude oil futures had fallen by 20% from its recent high. The average price of corn, wheat, and soybean futures had fallen just over a third from their recent highs. Cotton prices are down 38%, and copper, the most economically sensitive, is off nearly 28% from its recent high. Commodity prices are notoriously volatile, but this is an encouraging sign for moderating inflation, even if a negative signal for the economy. More significantly, the year-over-year growth in the money supply, which had been run away as we've bemoaned a few times in the updates cited above, has now declined to plus 8%, which is less than the most recent CPI inflation reading. Money supply growth, M2, less inflation, is usually positive, and last month was its first negative monthly reading in 12 years. As to swings, in the past 15 months, M2 growth, less inflation, went from its fastest pace in 15 years to its slowest. The full impact of 
higher home prices has not yet worked its way through the CPI's imputed rent component and changes in money growth impact inflation with long and irregular lags. However, it's beginning to look like eventual lower inflation after home price increases have worked into the numbers, maybe getting baked in now, just like higher inflation had looked like it would become a concern before it jumped. Note also that prices don't have to fall for the rate of inflation to moderate. They just have to flatten out for a time. We'll see. Until then, stocks may face headwinds and continued volatility. It doesn't mean stocks must decline until inflation turns down, though they likely will if the economy clearly slips into recession. But it will be likely hard for stocks to rise on a sustained basis until inflation begins to improve. Inflation is quite enough to worry about, but markets must now additionally be concerned with the related prospect of recession. Inflation may get worse before it improves, but it will turn down eventually. We just don't know how soon. Yet, how soon matters a great deal because the Fed is likely to continue to press rates higher until inflation eases. And the faster and higher the Fed pushes up interest rates, the greater the likelihood of a recession. The next two interest rate increases are likely to bring short-term rates above long-term rates into the condition known as an inverted yield curve, which generally implies short-term rates are high enough to cause a recession. The next Fed interest rate increase is expected this month and one after in September. If inflation happens to moderate before then, the Fed may not push short rates that high. We'll see. But time to avoid a Federal Reserve-induced recession could be running out if one hasn't begun already. The prospect of higher inflation for a time with higher interest rates means longer-term bonds still don't offer attractive risk prospects and that our emphasis on inflation protection in various asset classes will likely continue to be rewarded. Separately, an increasing likelihood of recession means our emphasis on quality in stocks will also likely be beneficial. As mentioned in our last update, bear markets bring opportunities to defer capital gains taxes, and volatility increases both the opportunity for rebalancing and the benefit therefrom. Some may assume our general avoidance of market timing may mean we treat bear markets like any other episode, but this is not the case. In addition to the extra opportunities detailed above, the most common activity we engage in during bear markets is to reassure clients for those still saving, pullbacks and prices clearly mean opportunities to buy cheaper valuations. For those already retired, we know the market value changes they see and sometimes dwell on are not the most useful things on which to focus. In retirement, spending is generally funded more by generated portfolio income than by sales of portfolio principal. And portfolio income historically has been quite stable with a bias to long-term growth. In general, portfolio income is not declined this year for clients. The more we can focus attention on the income portfolios generate, the better investors we will all be. For more insight and information, follow this Foster and Motley podcast about life and wealth and share with others. Thank you for listening to Foster and Motley, a podcast about wealth and life. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information discussed and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Foster and Motley. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions regarding your financial planning and investments. Foster and Motley is not affiliated with any third-party providers. Any mention of a third-party provider does not imply an endorsement of that provider. 
If you decide to utilize a third-party provider, you do so at your own risk.